Welcome, welcome, everybody. Hope you're having a good week. We got lots of news to talk about today. Lots of stuff going on and yet another FUD attack on Bitcoin. We'll dive into that momentarily. Uh, as always, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, please do like, subscribe, share. All those things really do help quite a bit. Uh, and they help get this in front of more eyeballs. As always, I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin. Before we dive in, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. Pulling up the Bitbo.io dashboard, we're sitting at $45,808 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 2,183 sats. 90.47% of all Bitcoin have been mined. And in terms of fees, up a little bit today. 11 sats per byte for next block. If you're willing to wait an hour, still 5 sats per byte. Uh, so just keep that in mind if you are in... Uh, a hurry or use RBF or lightning or the plethora of options that you have there. Uh, of course, shout out to sponsors of the show, shakepay.com. If you're in Canada, of course, um, super easy way to buy Bitcoin. E-transfers, no deposit fees, no withdrawal fees, thin spread. Uh, and there's a link down below if you use that and sign up and purchase your first hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, they'll give you 30 bucks for free. You get the same deal if you are recommending a friend and they sign up and do the same. And then you can shake your phone every single day for free sats. They've also got a sats back visa card. And I got to give a big shout out to uh, Mike on Twitter who ended up winning. I did a giveaway with shake pay. Uh, Mike and his friend Cody are going to be coming down to Miami. They got their air pair airfare paid uh, their accommodations paid and two tickets to Miami for Bitcoin 2022. Uh, and that's thanks to, thanks to Shake Bay. They footed the bill for that and helped me put on uh, that giveaway. So thanks, Shake Bay. And uh, congrats, Mike and Cody. Enjoy your time. I'll see you down there. Uh, Ledin.io, you can use your Bitcoin for a ton of different services. In particular, if you're in a pension, you need dollars, but you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, you can use your Bitcoin-backed loans. Simply deposit Bitcoin here, get a loan of dollars to your bank account within 24 hours. And when you pay back those dollars, you get back the same amount of Bitcoin. They also have savings accounts for Bitcoin and USDC. And they also have their B2X offering if you're feeling a little bullish. So check them out. Uh, BitRefill makes it super, super easy to live on Bitcoin. They have every gift card you can imagine. And you can buy it with Bitcoin, of course, on-chain and via Lightning. You earn sats back as you shop. And you can earn even more sats back with their referral program and getting your friends and family on there as well. So check them out. Uh, Keystone, one of my favorite most used hardware wallets. It is 100% air-gapped. You never plug it into anything internet connected. It's all done offline via QR code. And of course, that keeps the keys to your money safe and away from internet connection. Definitely recommend upgrading to the Bitcoin-only firmware, but it works beautifully with Blue Wallet, Sparrow, Spectre, you name it, they got it. And uh, of course, awesome in a multi-sig setup. So check them out. I also have a full tutorial on that. And then finally, if you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, 
get it in steel guys paper does not cut it fire damage water damage i've heard horror stories of people accidentally discarding the slips of paper they have sitting around with seed phrases on them uh when you get it into solid steel with something like the bill foddle over at privacypros.io those concerns seem to fall to the wayside so uh you know this is how i back up all my stuff check them out privacypros.io and with that let's get into the news the fud should i say lots of fud floating around it's all recycled fud though if you're if you're in bitcoin long enough you just it just kind of it's, it's a circular ring of fud or as i heard in a, a podcast today uh with nick carter and uh, and troy cross uh <laughs> there's fud dice uh nick carter actually i think made fud dice of like different concerns about bitcoin that people tend to use uh, but if the FUD dice, if, it, you know, FUD is never created nor destroyed, it's just recycled. And so if one side of the FUD dice is facing downwards, then a, a, one of the other pieces of FUD is facing upwards. So there's always going to be something being recycled. But this, uh, obviously, the, the ESG and the Bitcoin is going to boil the world's oceans stuff is... Uh, in the news again. So basically what is happening here is uh, Chris Larson. He is the co-creator of Ripple. Uh, if you aren't, aren't familiar with Ripple, they're being sued for what effectively amounts to an illegal securities offering. They created a hundred billion Ripple out of nothing and then sold it to the market and then pretended that uh, or sorry, they, they then tried to differentiate between Ripple, which they now refer to as XRP, even though before they called them Ripples. Uh, they, they say that XRP is in no way related to Ripple, the company, and it was like somehow decentralized, you know, created in a decentralized fashion. And then Ripple, the company just happened to be there at the same time. And yeah, it's it's trash. And if you go back, it's obviously total BS. But uh, nonetheless, so Chris Larson is pairing with Greenpeace. Uh for a $5 million campaign to change Bitcoin's code away from proof of work, which is the way that we arrive at consensus to decide what the history of transactions is uh, in a way that can't be cheated. You have to do the work in order to uh, actually prove that the transactions are, are, are correct or to add transactions to the ledger. You have to do the work. You have to mine. Um, so effectively, they're, they're going $5 million deep uh, to, to run this campaign to change Bitcoin. Uh, it's, it's insane. Like, here's, here's the website. Uh, it's called cleanupbitcoin.com. Don't bother visiting it. Uh, but uh, it says, you've heard Bitcoin fuels the climate crisis. But did you know a software code change could clean it up? sign up the petition to tell big tech and finance corporations to stop Bitcoin from polluting the planet. Let's take a look at some of their facts and also notice that they have like share fact number one and it'll share it on social media. Oh God. Anyways, recent estimates show Bitcoin uses more electricity than all of Sweden and it's quickly surpassing more countries. Uh, yeah. So basically they're saying Bitcoin uses more energy than Sweden. They failed to mention that the GDP of Sweden is roughly half of that of Bitcoin. So actually, it would seem that Bitcoin is twice as efficient at supporting uh, an economy if it's on par with energy consumption of Sweden. 
So one one way to look at that. Uh, Bitcoin alone could help warm the planet more than two degrees. Here's the interesting thing about fact number two is it was in a, a uh, research paper that was printed in, in a, a science journal that was thrice debunked. So there were three papers subsequent to them published in the exact same journal that debunked this study because it literally did not take into account how Bitcoin actually works, nor the actual uh, mix of energy going into mining Bitcoin, nor the life cycle of Bitcoin miners, nor the non-linear way that Bitcoin transactions actually scale in relation to energy uh, at the base level. It literally just said current amount of energy being used on Bitcoin and how many transactions Bitcoin can do at the base level ignoring secondary layers and side chains and all of that. Uh, and then just did a linear graph projecting out. Um, and to, to again, prove how bad some of this data was, uh, there was a, an article back in um, a, a few years back that said by the year 2020, Bitcoin would use all of the world's energy. Yeah, we're, we're sitting at like a fraction of a percent that Bitcoin is using right now. So yeah, there you go. Uh, then it says Bitcoin is resurrecting fossil fuels. Uh, they've started buying U.S. coal plants, they're uh, fracking gas and striking deals with the oil industry in Texas to use flare gas to fuel their operations. Now, here's the thing about striking deals with the oil industry to use flare gas. That reduces the warming effects of emissions by a factor of 80. What they're doing is so when you drill, drill for oil, you're going to have excess gases, natural gas and methane. And when there's no infrastructure to get that those gases to market, no pipelines or anything like that, then one of two things happened. Those gases are either vented or flared. Vented meaning straight into the atmosphere, which is not good at all, or flared, which means they're burnt, uh, just like set on fire. And that goes into the atmosphere. Uh, so what Bitcoin miners are doing are saying, Hey, you know, first of all, that's not great. Uh, second of all, that's wasted energy. Uh, it's inefficient. Third of all, there's all these emissions and you're getting hit with, uh, you know, uh, carbon taxes and so on and so forth. What we can do is we can capture the methane, which is 80 times, has 80 times more warming effects than the, uh, carbon dioxide. We'll capture the methane. We will convert it and capture that energy into CO2, which again, 180th the warming effects. And then you will reduce your footprint and, and how much you're contributing to this. So they're reducing emissions and warming. And they're funneling that into a way that not only also reduces the carbon taxes being paid, but it also ups the revenue of the, the, uh, the gas well or the oil and gas well. Uh, so literally, actually, if, if Bitcoin mining were to tap into all of the methane that's being flared or vented, it would, uh, reduce the emissions from those, uh, those sites by a factor of 80. <laughs> so again, totally disingenuous here. And then this, finally, it says a software code change would reduce Bitcoin's energy use by 99.9%. And they say that, uh, Switching to a low energy protocol has proven effective 
and uses a fraction of the energy. Ethereum is changing its code. Many others use less energy. Why isn't Bitcoin? Bec we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, they say it's like, oh, we'll just, we'll just type in something different and it'll all change simultaneously. That's not how shit works. All right. Uh, so first of all, let's, let's of course talk about uh, proof of work. And I'm just going to recite to you a, a little tweet thread from Gigi on Twitter that outlines proof of work and, and contrasts it with proof of stake. So Gigi, a failure to understand proof of work is a failure to understand Bitcoin. Decentralized systems, by definition, do not have a single source of truth. Satoshi's breakthrough was to build a system that allows all participants to zero in on the same truth independently. Proof of work is what allows this to happen. The point of proof of work is to create an irrefutable history. If two histories compete, the one with the most work embedded in it wins. The chain with the most work is the truth, by definition. This is what we call Nakamoto consensus. Why does this work? In short, because work requires energy. You can't cheat it. You can't argue with it. You can't lie about it. The proof that you did the work is self-evident in the outcome of the work. In Bitcoin, work is computation. Not any kind of computation, but computation that has no shortcut. Guessing. There is no shortcut because there is no progress. Every guess stands on its own. The beautiful thing is that the work itself is embedded in the solution. The data speaks for itself. The map is the territory. There is no external source of truth required. The work is implicit in the data due to the probabilistic nature of guessing. Other mechanisms such as proof of stake by the way, side, side note, which they are advocating in this, uh, this campaign here. Uh, sorry, I've now lost my space. Uh, other mechanisms such as proof of stake don't have this property. You can never be sure what you are looking at is actually the truth since there is no external cost to create an alternative truth. Computation is the only bridge between the realm of information to the realm of, uh, to the physical realm. When dealing with information, all we have is information and the transformation of information. Computation. Computation requires energy. Energy is the bridge. Energy is real. Remove this bridge to the physical world and you will stay in fantasy land. You can't tell what actually happened. You will have to trust others to tell you what happened. You can't verify yourself. You have to rely on trust. Proof of stake has plenty of other problems, such as fair validator selection, who decides, naturally centralizing effects, aka more stake equals more reward equals more stake, uh, and having no natural resistance to timestamp manipulation attacks. For example, proof of work solves these exact problems. It's decentralized. Uh, it decentralizes the selection process, creates physical proof of what happened, has real externalized costs, and decentralizes time. The question of whether proof of work is wasteful or not can, can't be asked without understanding the problem it solves. Understanding the problem properly will lead you to the conclusion that there is no other way to solve it in a trustless manner. Thus, the question becomes, how useful is trustless digital sound money? Is it worth the energy expenditure? For fridges, cars, smartphones, and a myriad of other things, society answers this question in the affirmative.
For Bitcoin, those who understand the societal benefits of sound censorship-resistant money answer in the affirmative. To summarize, proof of work is not only useful, but absolutely essential. Trustless digital money can't work without it. You always need an anchor to the physical realm. Without this anchor, a truthful history that is self-evident is impossible. Energy is the only anchor we have. Proof of work equals trust physics to determine what happened. Proof of stake equals trust humans to determine what happened. Uh, it goes on with some other links from there, but very succinct kind of summary from Gigi there uh, regarding what the importance of proof of work. Now, I made a few notes here. Um, I watched a little bit of an interview with Chris Larson and he's just so disingenuous with a number of things. Um, again, they, they cite all of these, uh, they, they cite research that has been numerous times debunked, like by orders of magnitude. Um, they ignore the idea of, of, uh, basically eating up waste energy, reducing emissions, grid stabilization, the idea that uh, Bitcoin mining can stabilize green energy production, if that's something that people are interested in. They completely ignore all of that. Um, furthermore, when he does talk about uh, the miners that are, are uh, you know, doing things like reducing emissions or, or, or using green energy. He, he basically said in an interview that even if Bitcoin had 100% green energy, it, it wouldn't be enough because of opportunity cost, which is fucking hilarious because again, most of this energy is stranded and has no way to get to market. Let's, let's take an example of a lot of the hydro with which Bitcoin is mined or with which it used to be mined, say, in rural China. What would happen is you'd have a small settlement uh, near a large source of hydropower, and the hydropower was just way too much for the size of the settlement. There was way more energy there than was needed, and it was way too far to get it to any other grid, any external city, whatever it may be, because energy degrades over time. So what happened is they would get... Bitcoin miners in these rural uh, towns near uh, hydro sources, and they would basically capitalize on the energy that, you know, is flowing water. Uh, so you, you know, you capture that, you use that to power mining rigs, and you're securing a Bitcoin, a decentralized monetary network in the process and getting paid for that service. Um, again, you couldn't have done anything else with that energy. There's no other way to use it. And, and he's basically saying, well, you know, if if there were was uh, solar and hydro and geothermal mining all over the place, uh, it wouldn't even matter if 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 Bitcoin didn't uh, emit any carbon whatsoever, because that energy could be used elsewhere, which is fucking bullshit because it's stranded energy. So you're telling me if I took solar panels in space where that that energy could not be reliably transmitted to anyone on earth for any other reason and i were to mine uh using solar energy in space you know millions of miles from earth that would be wasteful because the energy would be better used somewhere else fuck off chris come on so 
he then goes on to interpret a, a really good book uh, called The Block Size War, which goes back to uh, goes back to 2017 uh, when there was a, a schism about how to scale Bitcoin. And and what ended up happening was keeping Bitcoin backwards compatible, um, making small changes to allow for throughput of more transactions and then to build on top of it in layers, which is why we have the Lightning Network today. Um, there was a concerted effort from the top 50 companies and 80% of the miners on the network to change the code to effectively boot out all of the voluntary code contributors that exist, create a new Bitcoin with a singular developer, might I add, uh, and then say that was Bitcoin. And the reason it didn't go through is largely because people ran nodes and told everybody else to go fuck themselves said, we're not going to change what Bitcoin is. There was also uh, a consensus market-wise that that change in Bitcoin would not succeed. There was a futures market on BitMEX that basically pegged the pretend Bitcoin that these companies and miners were trying to create as having one quarter of the value of actual Bitcoin. Uh, and so this is at a time when Bitcoin was even less decentralized than it is now and still in an unprecedented show of decentralization, the network ignored all of the top players in the industry, all of them, and, and just continued on doing its thing. Now, I won't say that wasn't scary at the time, but it was, it was the moment that I truly realized that Bitcoin is unfuckwithable. Now, Chris Larson's interpretation of that was somehow that 20 to 30 people control Bitcoin. And if we get them to change it, it will change. I do not know how you could possibly come to that conclusion, having watched and lived through it and also read that book to say that that's how Bitcoin works. It is the, the most, like what an absolute imbecile. Or he's just completely malicious in his intent, which I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't discount that either. Either way, so incredibly stupid. So what can you do about this? Well, we already learned that lesson back in 2017. You can run a node. Why? Because let's say that somehow Greenpeace and Chris Larson of Ripple managed to get uh, a, a bunch of different people, exchanges, so on and so forth, to change the definition of what Bitcoin is and they create a different Bitcoin that uses proof of stake, which we'll touch on in a second. Um, but let's say they change Bitcoin. They say, this is actually Bitcoin now. This is the green Bitcoin and it's the real one. Um, if you're running a node and you're running Bitcoin Core on that node, then your wallets will not recognize any Bitcoin any alternative vision of what Bitcoin should be if somebody tries to send that to you. It will only recognize actual Bitcoin, what you are running, the code that you are running. Now, there's a variety of different ways to do this. Uh, I have obviously, I did a video way back when on how to run an Umbral node, which is super easy, super friendly to do. And you can link your Bitcoin wallets to it so that this is like your beacon of truth. What is Bitcoin? my node will tell me and my wallets will trust my node, not somebody else's. Uh, the, another great uh, implementation of this would be my node, 
um, M-Y-N-O-D-E, no spaces. That's another great way to run a node. Uh, basically, you download it, put it on an SD card, and use a little Raspberry Pi computer. Um, again, a little contention between Umbral and Run Citadel, but Run Citadel, again, an open source, uh, basically uh, a forked version of Umbral. That's another great one. Start9, uh, Ronin Dojo. There's a lot of different options out there, but regardless... If you think what's happening with Chris Larson and Greenpeace is total bullshit, just run a node and then you can literally ignore them. Just ignore them because your node will. And you can go on using Bitcoin and they can use whatever they are, they are pretending Bitcoin is probably unsuccessfully. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on was... Uh, Proof of stake, um, because this is what they're pushing, right? They're pushing proof of stake. And Gigi mentioned it in his thread here that proof of stake is basically uh, trusting humans to determine what happened. And, and the reason behind that is proof of stake basically says the more of this money, like for instance, like what Ethereum is going to do, the more Ethereum you have and stake basically lock up, uh, the you get rewarded with uh, like transaction fees or, or newly minted, uh, newly created money. Um, but you also get to decide not only what transactions are valid, but you also get to decide what the protocol is. So do you see the problem here where the people with the most money get to decide, well, first of all, get the most newly created money and get to decide the rules of the money. That sounds pretty fucking familiar. It sounds exactly like central banking. That's because proof of stake is more or less a copy pasta of central banking. Um, so yeah, it's, it's this disingenuous attempt to change Bitcoin away from an actually decentralized infrastructure that has truth at its core because it's it's locked in to a real world mechanism, the only one we have, which is energy, and trying to change it to a whoever has the most money says what goes. And I sure as fuck am not going to do that. My node will be running proof of work forever, forever, Laura, forever. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I'm pretty passionate about this. Uh, it's bullshit. And if you're not running a node already, just just start. Start learning um, and it, you'll be amazed. It's actually not that difficult. You know, getting some parts might might take some time, but go on now. Just start. Just start. You need a Raspberry Pi. I'd say a, a Pi 4, um, a, a, a probably a two terabyte hard drive would be good. Uh, a little micro SD card, 16 gigs, 32 gigs, either one will, will do you. Um, and then just plugins, more or less. That's that's pretty much it in case for it. Uh, and then you're off to the races. So that's it. Uh, you can check out my Umbral video. I do have a video on my node. I'll probably do, be doing an updated video on my node and some other node implementations. I'm going to try and get my hand on a Ronan Dojo sometime soon. So anyways, it's all in the pipeline, blah, blah, blah. Let's keep going. Okay, change gear. Damn, I got fired up over that. Okay, uh, speaking of, of shit that they totally disavowed in this last story, uh, Lightning Network. 
uh, that's something that uh, completely changes the dynamic of scaling on Bitcoin. Anyways, Kraken, uh, maybe a year late, but they have implemented uh, Lightning on, on Kraken Exchange. So you can now deposit and withdraw via Lightning. So this from Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, cryptocurrency exchange Kraken now supports Bitcoin's Lightning Network for inexpensive and instant customer deposits and withdrawals of Bitcoin, the company said in a statement to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, adoption is going to come from people who have fiat in their bank account and they need to get into Bitcoin, Pierre Richard, Bitcoin product manager at Kraken, told Bitcoin Magazine. Kraken is providing an excellent venue for them to do that, and then they can top up their mobile Lightning wallet and use it as a medium of exchange. That's clearly the next step in terms of Bitcoin evolution. Uh, now, a while back, um, Pierre Richard uh, basically made uh, like a bet or or a statement saying like, "Hey, if if uh, Kraken doesn't have Lightning by the end of, I think it was 2020 initially that." that uh, he should be fired or something like that. Anyways, it came and went. I think they realized that more infrastructure was necessary and they really had to be thoughtful about how to do it. Nonetheless, better late than never, miles ahead of shit like Coinbase. So, hey, Kraken, kudos. You now have Lightning. Uh, that's great. So good for them. Let's move on. Uh, Grayscale threatens legal action if the SEC rejects Bitcoin ETF conversion bid. Uh, they... I'll say that this headline is a little bit more alarmist than it actually was in, in the interview here, but let's just read a little bit. Uh, Grayscale is not ruling out seeking legal action against the SEC if the agency continues to prohibit the launch of a spot cryptocurrency ETF, CEO Michael Sonnenschein said. Quote, I think all options are on the table, he said in an interview with Bloomberg Monday when asked if Grayscale would consider a uh, Administrative Procedure Act lawsuit if their application to convert Grayscale GBTC into an ETF is denied. Uh, the largest digital currency asset manager first filed to convert its trust, which is inferior to the currently prohibited spot Bitcoin ETF structure, in April 2021. Since then, the SEC has approved the first futures-backed Bitcoin funds, but all applications for spot product continue to be delayed or in some cases denied. Uh, quote, the Grayscale team has been putting the full resources of our firm behind converting GBTC into an ETF. It's really important that investors know that we ha have and will continue to advocate for them. Uh, so right now, um, there's public comment available. This goes for 240 days. That period would close in early July. Um, again, it goes on to say that, you know, GPTC is owned by investors in all 50 states, uh, around 800,000 accounts in the U.S., all waiting patiently to have it converted to an ETF. Yeah, like the, the main the the main rub here is that the the chairman of the SEC keeps on saying that they're worried about manipulation, but that's exactly what having a a futures ETF and not having a spot ETF is allowing. If you look at the manipulation, the change in price, um, you, you see GBTC, which is a closed end product, meaning GBTC has a set amount of Bitcoin within it. And then people buy shares of GBTC. And from time to time, if they need more Bitcoin, then they buy more Bitcoin for the fund and whatever's in the fund stays there. Well, right now, because people uh, 
they, they see the disconnect there and there's futures products available. GBTC is at like a, a deep double digit discount to the actual price of Bitcoin. So it's like manipulated all to hell because of these futures products. And people can bat around the price of Bitcoin based on these futures products because there's no spot product to keep it in check. Um, so pretty disingenuous, I would say there. It's laughable that the US doesn't have an ETF here. Canada has had multiple ETFs for two years now, at least a year and a half. Um, it, it's, yeah, I don't buy Gary Gensler's uh, objections whatsoever. I think there's probably some heavy hitters that are, are trying to delay this as long as possible. Um, some entrenched interests. And there's, there's just money to be made by not having a spot ETF. So we'll see. I hope that they do sue, though, because it's clear that something fishy is going on here. Uh, let's keep going. Oh, yes. Uh, our good friend uh, Pierre Polyev in Canada. Uh, there's been an ongoing gag. He keeps on talking about in and around sound money and everything. And he's very like in tune with the idea of like, there is no free lunch and, and uh, you know, when you print money, it doesn't reflect reality and capital gets misallocated and it flows in a way that drives the wealth gap. And everybody's known for so long, like Pierre, just say it, say it. We know you're talking about Bitcoin, say it, Pierre. Uh, and I would always respond with gifts of when, when he would get on a rant, I'd respond with a gif of just whatever I could find under the words, say it, because I knew what he was talking about. Uh, well, he said it. Uh, he has basically come out. He said the B word. He's been batting Bitcoin around a bunch. And uh, he really kicked it off with going uh, to CLE at Tahini's. Uh, and buying a shawarma with Bitcoin, not just Bitcoin on chain too. He was using a lightning wallet. So kudos to him. He went down, he talked about Bitcoin. He talked about, uh, he sat with uh, Ali and uh, had some shisha and discussed inflation and money printing and, and like the disconnect. Talked a lot about Jeff's booth, the Jeff Booth's book, The Price of Tomorrow and how uh technology itself is deflationary and we should be living way more abundant lives for less cost and yet the cost of things continues to grow despite massive leaps forward in technology and a lot of this is because of money printing perverting the price mechanism so uh yeah anyways kudos to kudos to pierre for for kicking open that door and dropping Bitcoin all over the place. Hey, maybe it'll be a speaker uh, at next year's Bitcoin 2022 con or 2023 conference. I'd like to see that. We'll see. Uh, let's keep going here. Zebedee. I just saw this today came out Zebedee streamer. Okay. So if you're unfamiliar with Zebedee, uh, they're kind of, uh, mashing together the worlds of gaming and lightning and, and enabling uh, lightning payments within gaming and so on and so forth. Um, but I found something that kind of, I guess, applies to me, but maybe for you guys as, as gamers or whatever, if you do play games. But for me, I found it interesting because it's basically a tool that allows you to, within your live stream, accept lightning network payments uh, via LN URL, which is just a single scannable uh, URL or QR code rather, that uh, you don't need to create a lightning invoice for. And then people can send whatever amount they choose. Um, and so the way it would work is, let's say I was doing this live stream right now, in the corner, there'd be a little QR code. And then with any lightning wallet you wanted, you could scan it 
and then send like a hundred sats or whatever. And then an animated GIF would pop up and say like, thank you or whatever the hell I wanted it to do. But I think it's a really cool idea in breaking into not only the gaming market, but just the live streamer market where with no middlemen whatsoever, you can utilize this tool and somebody with a, a lightning wallet not connected to anything else could just scan an instant tip any type of streamer on the internet um, without having to even go through the platform they're streaming on, uh, which is really cool. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be playing around. I would have to change a little bit of how I stream and do these things, but it's definitely possible. So I'm going to, I'm going to mess around a little bit, see what I can do. Um, Let's keep going here. I'm just going to touch on this briefly and encourage you guys to read this as a, a, a piece of content that was recommended. And, uh, did a pretty good job summarizing stuff. Econo Alchemist wrote this, um, just dropped today. It's uh, a, a, an article called How the Freedom Convoy Could Have Protected Donation Privacy with Whirlpool. Um, it basically goes through like the series of events that happened uh, behind the Freedom Convoy and the Bitcoin donations therein, as well as the GoFundMe and all of that stuff. But then it also gets into some on-chain analysis of like, where the Bitcoin went and, and kind of like, uh, you know, going from like the original donation address and then being split up and divvied up to truckers and so on and so forth. Um, you know, the state of things in Canada and, and basically what, I mean, I was, I was there for, for like a huge chunk of this, but what reading it all summed up in a single place and then seeing at the end saying all of this happened in two weeks. <laughs> That's, I mean, the, the, the speed at which all of this happened was astounding. It went from, Hey, you know, we've got a 10 million sat goal to maybe buy some gas to one, one millionth of all Bitcoin that will ever exist have been donated to a single cause. And uh, this protest is now, uh, effectively illegal and we're shutting off people's bank accounts and we've invoked the emergencies act which is basically martial law or could have been taken to that that level um all of that happened inside of two weeks from the moment that the truckers started arriving in ottawa to um kind of like at least the 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 end of what they outline here it was it's pretty astounding to see, but um, with the on-chain stuff, it goes into talking about whirlpool and and like privacy concerns in and around this stuff. And um, it's a good article. I do recommend you read it, and I agree with its conclusions. I I absolutely agree with its conclusions. Um, also, uh, on the privacy front, uh, I'm kind of bundling two similar privacy-related things into one here. Uh, so this from the EU today, EU parliament passes privacy busting crypto rules despite industry criticism. So European Union lawmakers voted today in favor of controversial measures to outlaw anonymous crypto transactions. Uh, the proposal um, proposals are intended to extend anti-money laundering requirements to apply to conventional payments over 1000 euros to the crypto sector. They also scrapped the floor for crypto payments. So payers and recipients of even the smallest transactions would need to be identified, including for transactions with unhosted or self-hosted wallets. Uh, basically wallets. 
because if it's not, if you're not hosting the wallet, if you don't hold the keys, it's not a wallet, it's an account. Um, further measures under discussion would see unregulated crypto exchanges cut off from the conventional, conventional financial system. Uh, national governments in, said in December they wanted to scrap the 1,000 euro threshold for crypto on the basis that digital payments can easily circumvent the limit and to include private wallets that aren't operated by regulated crypto asset providers. Um, so obviously this got pushed back from some uh, parts of the government, but uh, not enough to not vote in favor of it. Um, now the EPP, the European People's Party said such proposals are neither warranted nor appropriate with the approach of regulating new technologies. The EU will fall farther behind other more open-minded jurisdictions. A hundred percent agree right there. Um, yeah, and, and it goes on to say, basically, what's the implications of this? Under the new rules, somebody like Coinbase would have to report to the authorities any time a customer received over a thousand euros of any cryptocurrency from a self-hosted wallet. So like if they received it from not an exchange to an exchange transfer, but somebody with a wallet where they actually hold Bitcoin sends over a thousand euros worth of Bitcoin to their Coinbase account. That would then have to be reported. Um, yeah. And then the plan. So in the end, this is not a done deal right now. Uh, so these plans must also be also be agreed upon by both the parliament and national ministers who meet as the EU council in order to pass into law. Uh, this article here, this kind of privacy uh, vote in favor of is more or less the reason for this dump that we saw this morning. And by dump, I'm using that like a little hyperbolically. We went from like in the 47 range to like the, you know, mid 45 range. So yeah, it is what it is. Um, so in the end here, you know, what do I want to point at? I guess uh, Ronan Dojo tweeted out the crackdown on unhosted and self-hosted wallets continues. Draw the line. Choose privacy. No KYC and live free. Um, uh, Econo Alchemist, who also wrote piece on the Freedom Convoy, said uh, self-custody puts the asymmetric advantage in your hands. Stop using KYC services by mining at home, peer-to-peer -peer trades, or exchanges exchanging goods and services. Um now, if you're more curious about this, uh, I do have a, a playlist on my channel of, regarding privacy. So there's a short kind of like intro of different things you might want to consider regarding privacy. Now, I don't have a node video added in this playlist, but I think I'm going to do this right after I get off here. But um, what is covered here, there's two different uh, videos on buying Bitcoin or selling Bitcoin peer to peer. Uh, without the need for like ID and everything. You just peer to peer. Uh, one is BISC, which I did a while back. And the other one is HODL HODL, which I literally dropped on, on Tuesday. So if you want to go back and check that out, uh, that will walk you through how to use HODL HODL and check out the BISC one too. Um, in terms of privacy regarding uh, like CoinJoin via Whirlpool, uh, then I have a video just on how to do it with Samurai Wallet, and as well, how to do it with Sparrow Wallet on desktop. Uh, regarding uh, sharing public Bitcoin addresses, uh, you know, which is not a, a great practice. If you want to get away from that, then using Paynims, which hopefully will start to roll it to more wallets, 
uh, in the near future. That is something that you can check into. So I did cover that again, both in Samurai and Sparrow. That's on the list. And then also a new kind of privacy technology, uh, which would be Mercury Wallet or uh, State Chains. And this allows you to actually swap UTXOs or pieces of Bitcoin with an individual without any on-chain movement whatsoever. You're actually trading the keys to the money in a, a as trustless as possible way. Uh, so that's worth checking out as well. And again, outside of this, uh, you may want to look into obviously running a node, not only for privacy on a network level, but also for basically telling Greenpeace and Chris Larson to go pound sand. That's a good reason to do it as well. Um, uh, other things that I want to touch on there. I mean, really, when you think about it, obtaining Bitcoin, uh, connecting, you know, on a network level to verify your Bitcoin um, transactionally and you, on a UTXO level, your privacy on Bitcoin. And then, you know, additional to that again, in transactionally with PayNams and stuff like that. So CoinJoin, PayNams, uh, nodes, and peer-to-peer. -peer. Uh, and Lightning is helpful there too. So um, yeah, check out all that. There's, there's so much. Okay, uh, we're going to start wrapping up here a little bit. Um, hey, I'm going to be in Miami soon, soon. I'm flying on Monday. Damn, that's getting close. Uh, I will be flying on the fourth, getting in that night. Uh, on the sixth, I'm going to be going to, uh, Pierre Corbin is putting on a screening of his film, The Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin. Uh, it, it, you can watch it on YouTube, obviously right now, but he's, he rented out a theater and a bunch of Bitcoiners are going down and then we're going to do a live chat afterwards. I'm going to be part of the chat with him and Knut Svanholm. Um, so that's going to be exciting. I'm very excited for that. Actually, uh, it's going to be at 7 PM, uh, Wednesday, April 6th, and you can grab tickets just on Eventbrite. So just search screening, uh, the great reset and the rise of Bitcoin. Um, and Hey, if you want to come, uh, two tickets for free. Uh, the first two people that use the promo code BTC Sessions uh, will get free tickets. So if you're going to be in town and you want to hit up this screening and you want two free tickets, uh, go and the first two people to use that promo code will get their tickets for free. Uh, otherwise, they're 13 bucks, so it's not that expensive anyways. But uh, if you want a couple free tickets, go check it out. Um, speaking of which, if you're coming down, uh, not a lot of time left. I think the prices for tickets go up tomorrow. Uh, right now it's like, what is it? I think it's like six 99 if you pay in Bitcoin. Uh, so those go up by hundred bucks tomorrow. So if you're looking to get tickets, uh, today rather than tomorrow would be better. It'll at least save you a hundred bucks. Uh, also, if you do want a discount again, just use code BTC sessions, and it'll get you 10% off. So b.tc slash conference, you can grab them there. But I will be down there. So look look for this beacon on my head. Uh, it'll be, I, I'm told I'm hard to miss in a very busy setting. So, so I will see you guys down there. Uh, and lastly, of course, tomorrow we've got, uh, why are we bullish? Uh, we've got Yusuf, we've got Isabella, Joe, and Sam on tomorrow. Uh, stoked for them. Uh, to be on. It'll be a good rip. And uh, yeah, well, it's last Why Are We Bullish before the conference. And I should say that while I'm at the conference, it's going to be Why Are You Bullish? So I'm going to tweet out randomly, probably once or twice and say, hey, 
I'm doing why are we bullish in this location? Come find me and tell me why you're bullish and you can come find me and you can do a, a, a few minute rant on what has you excited and why you're bullish. And then I'm going to piece that together and drop that episode, uh, you know, probably on the Saturday. So yeah, keep an eye out. Make sure you're following me on Twitter and and uh, and and looking for that tweet when it happens or those tweets when they happen. Anyways, guys, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I got fired up for the beginning of this one. Uh, you know, I, I get excited. But uh, in the end, this is not like even though it caused a price dip, this is a the the Greenpeace and Chris Larson's thing is such a nothing burger because we already experienced this. Uh, we experienced it f almost five years ago now. And we saw that Bitcoin just continues doing what it does and people can create their imitations and go off on their own. And those things are, are not worth anything. Uh, so yeah, that's that it is what it is. Uh, anyways, guys, like, subscribe, share. All those things really help. You can hit up the mentioned sponsors down below. ShakePay, Ledin, BitRefill, Keystone, BillFoddle. They're all down below. And if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a Bitcoin tip either on Twitter or at my strike page. That is strike.me slash BTC sessions. Uh, get there, type in any amount you like. Hit the tip button. You'll be greeted with a lightning invoice. Or if you click the arrow to the right, you'll see a regular Bitcoin QR code. With that, I'm out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening, wherever you may be. See you guys next time or in Miami for your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin.